This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. When we get so consumed by what we think in the world and our beliefs, it's very hard to receive other perspectives because we think they define us. And any question or challenge to our beliefs becomes a challenge to our self-worth. And that's where things are going haywire, right? Things are going down it. How dare you question me? But thoughts are not the same as a thinker. They're different things. All right. Well, I think the, uh, the cue from the music maybe is a good cue for us to get started. And, uh, and Siku, I'm just so grateful to have you here on the podcast. It is a big deal. Appreciate the opportunity. Yes, it's it's awesome. It's incredible. I was saying before we we got started recording, I feel like you're one of the, the best kept secrets in, in this space. And so for those that are unfamiliar, Sukun Chopra is a host of Becoming an Epic Being podcast, an eternal seeker and a conscious living facilitator. And right now, right now, she is on a mission to help Gen Z break through conventional paradigms that hold young adults back from living an empowered and authentic life. Such important work. Sukun, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. It's a pleasure to be here. And today we're talking about emotional intelligence and how emotions are important to think about as we are resolving conflict and communicating with our teams. So first, let's just provide some context. What is emotional intelligence? How would you define it? And why is it important for leaders to be thinking about as they're thinking about conflict resolution? Yeah, good question. Thank you for starting with that one. I think for me, EQ is basically about taking ownership for how we show up in the world. And it does come down to throwing consciousness on the impact of our, you know, thoughts and emotions and um, actions on others, because that's something we don't really pay attention to. We just do what we do sometimes. Mm. And that is a huge aspect of how we, again, show up in the world, our impact on others, and how that affects dynamics with our personal, you know, professional settings. So yeah, it really is about being aware of the impact of our our actions and um, yeah, just how we show up in the world with people. That's a huge aspect of um, emotional awareness. I do agree that I think it's sometimes it, we can get in the habit of just reacting to the yeah. things that happen to us, right? Like this thing happens, so I'm going to react this way. And we're kind of just going with the flow at that point, right? We're, we're not really intentional. A yeah. better approach yeah. is to actually think through like, how can I have an intentional response to the, to every situation I encounter throughout the day that's aligned with my values that's aligned with my goals. And I think especially when it comes to conflict in organizations or on teams, like it's just really important that we're, uh, we're, we're understanding yeah. the emotions that we're experiencing in those times and how it's going to impact how we, how we respond. Absolutely. What are some of the important components if we think about emotional aware, awareness or emotional intelligence in general that we should be, be aware of as we're, we're becoming familiar with this concept? I think the biggest factor, again, is self-awareness, being aware of, you know, how we, what's going on inside us, because how we interact with the world outside of us depends on how we're feeling inside. And when we aren't in tune with that, then we start acting out. So basically, self-awareness forms a foundation of emotional awareness. That's pretty self-explanatory anyway. Um, you know, also about like, you know, I mean, did you ask what strategies or just what involves, what's involved in emotional yeah, awareness? Yeah, what are, what are the components? But I'd love to hear you talk about some of the strategies as well. Yeah, emotional awareness about self-awareness, um, listening, active listening, um, inquiry, how to actually lean into the, other people's perspectives. 
And yeah, just a lot of introspection because you can't do any of this work unless you introspect and see where you could improve and, you know, be a better leader, basically. Because we very often get carried away with automatic responses and live life on autopilot, which does not serve us at all. So yeah. I love the way you use intentionality and that's a huge part of um, emotional awareness. Like how, what I'm saying right now, how is that affecting other people? And that forms a foundation of everything else that's covered in this very, very wide subject. I love that. It really requires a discipline of taking a step back and analyzing the ripples that you are creating. When you step into a room, how does the energy shift? When you're having a conversation with somebody, how are they feeling after that conversation as opposed to when they, they started the conversation? If everybody you talk to is more stressed out after they talk to you than before they talk to you, you might need to do some soul searching and kind of reflect on the energy that you're giving out into that conversation. And it's hard to do that if we're not first self-aware of the uh, the emotions that we we are experiencing. And you had kind of mentioned strategies a little bit. Do you have some self-awareness strategies that you feel are are most helpful for the people that you're you're working with? I do a lot of um, introspection, you know, even when, um, so I see triggers as signs of growth. When I feel triggered by something or someone, I'm like, what's causing me to be triggered right now? You know, because I never had the awareness growing up because, you know, we just don't learn this stuff early enough. So I was just like, you know, react my way into things all the time. But right now at the stage of life I have, and luckily with the awareness that I have, I will use um, introspection to reflect on my triggers, um, how I could have done something better for other people as well. And I love holding space for people to just, you know, be who they are without the fear of repercussions. And that's something we talk more about in the context of the corporate space, where very often companies lack psychological safety because leaders are so like sort of stuck with their own views of thinking that they don't listen to other people and what they want to say and how they want to feel, right? How they're feeling at any given point. So, yeah, I mean, I think introspection is a big one. Um, reflection, of course, it goes with that. And yeah, just giving people the space to express themselves, free up their repercussions. Can you think of a time in your own life where you were able to recognize the this, this signal of discomfort was actually a, a time of growth? For myself, personally? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was working, um, leading the companies. Uh, my family business is human capital function. And this was a time where three of my colleagues or subordinates in the HR team went above me and sort of complained about my leadership style because I wasn't really aligned with who I am today. And it was very, very triggering and very, I felt very offended, obviously, because I'm like, I do so much for you guys and you went behind my back and all that stuff came up. But in afterwards, I took some time to actually reflect on where they were coming from and really took time to understand what their perspective was and what they could be right about. And even in the moment I felt triggered, which is fine because all of us, you know, have emotions that show up and the whole art of this actually managing our emotions at the time that it happens. But yeah, I did use that as an opportunity for actually reflection and growth of what I could have done better in that moment. And then I sat down with each of them and said, look, thank you for your feedback. What could I have done better? And what else would you expect from this arrangement moving forward? So that really helped me. That was a big lesson for me at that time. Yeah, that was about five years ago. I love that. And the theme that I'm hearing is is curiosity. Yeah. At first, you were very curious about your own emotions. And I think sometimes like the natural state is that we're critical of ourselves for feeling a certain way. And yeah. we feel like we should feel something different. And that's a, a challenging place to be with emotions. But then I also heard the second piece. So like taking that, that approach with yourself first allowed you to then be curious yeah. with the people you were working with, as opposed to 
being defensive or being critical of their approach. So that's an important takeaway for our, for our audience to, to listen to. I mean, curiosity is everything with regards to emotional intelligence when it comes to empathizing with other people of why they are feeling a certain way. How could I be contributing to this? Like it's, it plays a huge part. So channeling judgment into curiosity also forms a foundation of emotional awareness and thus self-awareness. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I love it. The The next piece, we think about self-awareness and having a healthy relationship with our, our own emotions, but that will allow us then to have a healthy relationship with the people around us, which leads to a conversation around empathy and conflict resolution. So how can leaders be more focused on on empathy in the workplace and how will that potentially help them deal with, with conflict? This is slightly unconventional, but one of the key approaches over here is... We love a hot take on Leaders Lens. We love a good hot take, so I'm excited for this. This identifying with their opinions. And what that means is when we get so consumed by what we think in the world and our beliefs, it's very hard to receive other perspectives because we think they define us. And any question or challenge to our beliefs becomes a challenge to our self-worth. And that's where things are going haywire, right? Things are going down it. How dare you question me? But thoughts are not the same as a thinker. They're different things. But we define ourselves by our thoughts. The first one is to actually disidentify with your opinions because it's just an opinion. They don't, they don't define you by any chance, by any stretch. Yeah. And the second one, of course, is um, allowing yourself to listen to other people's perspectives because perspective taking is so huge in the world of conflict resolution because when you think that your opinion is 100% correct, it's a dead end. It's very hard to make leeway, very hard to make any kind of progress from there. I mean, that's where empathy comes in, right? How do you actually empathize with another person to see what could they be right about you? What am I missing here? How can I learn from this situation? Right? You know what I'm saying? So yes. just learn from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when we take that approach to really try to see somebody deeply and understand their perspective and the context they have that form their worldview, things usually make sense. And people's opinions are not generally attacks at us, mm. which sometimes it can be interpreted that way, to your point, because we're so, we identify our beliefs and perspectives with our own self-worth. But in general, that's not the case. That's not what's happening. It's just somebody has a different perspective or, or a lens that they're using. Exactly. Um, so beautiful. And it takes, takes discipline, right? It takes time to actually be willing to be vulnerable enough to see somebody for who they are, for where they're at, and try to understand, you know, why this person sees the things the way that they do, but yeah. also be willing to accept like maybe my, I'm wrong. Like maybe like there's something about what, how I'm seeing this that's wrong or I'm missing an important piece of information that will help all of this make sense. Yeah, and also we have this, from what you just said right now, we also have this unconscious tendency to assume that our, obviously experiences form our opinions, right? And then we believe that what we think is the ultimate reality, which is so not the case at all because how you are used to something the way you were brought up, um, you know, people say all kinds of like all these common beliefs, like, you know, I mean, I don't know, like I always say because it it's very racist comments, like, you know, all people like this, all people like that. It's just a, the thing is a fact, but it's not. It's like your experience it does not make the universal reality, right? Because all of us experience life in different ways. So just like, it's just very, very key to actually holding different perspectives. Yeah. So your, your it's not the ultimate truth. That's a big one for conflict. Yeah. I love it. And my friend, from Twitter, Ben Carroll commented in the chat, this is so tough for people. What we are exposed to in our youth becomes our truth and merges with our identity. A challenge to many, to uh, my perspective becomes a challenge to who I am. Like 
Great phrasing. I love the way that he worded that, Ben. Thank you. Yeah. How does emotional intelligence assist in turning conflicts into opportunities for growth? And you had kind of talked about this earlier, so I'm excited to deep dig in a little bit deeper. But how can we actually use these moments as an avenue for, for growth? I think the whole foundation of emotional awareness is set on growth and, and learning because when you're self-aware and in respect, you're always looking at like, what could I do better? How can I improve over here? What are my weaknesses? What am I not doing properly? How am I impacting others? Because without that awareness, then you can't do very much anyway. So you basically use these things as chances for growing further. And you also want to be open to other people's perspectives and learn from them. What are you missing from their perspective and their reality? Um, being open to different mental models, different experiences. So, and even when you fail with something, you know, you can obviously, and you actually can use like conflict as a chance to connect with people, you know, like what am I missing over here in terms of what's this person unexpressed needs and I'm not seeing right now? What, what are they saying? Yes. You actually see through this person and his quirks or his actions or his behaviors to actually recognize what are the unmet needs they're actually seeking. So that is a huge opportunity of actually connection through conflict, provided we see it that way. And I think that it requires like a belief in somebody's potential. Like we have to step into the conversation believing that there is a chance for this conflict to be resolved that will allow us to take these actions. Because if we have the perspective of this person is never gonna change, like, why am yeah. I even wasting my time? Like, it's yeah. we're not going to take the time to really see that person and try to understand what is that piece of information that we're missing. So I love that. True. We often actually enter confrontations because with the with the assumption that there's no point because this person is so-and-so, that's just how they are. But we don't actually go beyond the immediate behaviors to look deeper. And that's what prevents us from actually bridging the gap or building building a connection with the person. Because the moment you dive deeper, into understanding where the person is coming from or what they're not saying, things can start to shift, literally. Because honestly, at the root of conflict, it's just a series of unexpressed needs. That's it. We just have not been trained to express our needs in a constructive way, which is why we resort to unhealthy mechanisms like blame and shame and anger and so on. But we never actually have been taught to express what's going on within ourselves in a way that's constructive and it's healthy and requires vulnerability. We hate that. So other, yeah, conflict is all about like unexpressed needs. It's about diving deeper, understanding it. I love that. So if we're a, a manager, we're stepping new into a role, this is all new information and we've never heard of this before. What are some practical tips that we can, can take with us that'll help us be better in this area of, of one, being aware of our emotions, but also using it to, to resolve conflict? I think even the human mentality of what's in it for me, the same goes for managers. Why should I bother diving this deep? Why should I even care about this stuff? I'm okay in my role. I think the biggest incentive would be to understand what their impact is on the people. Are they having the impact they are capable of having in the personal capacity as a manager or are they pissing people off by what they're saying? So the first incentive is that to actually buy in this work that this work is important I don't want to just go through conflict through this work. It's important regardless of conflict. And secondly, once you have the awareness of the importance of emotional awareness, yeah, like I said, just, you know, inculcating different people's perspectives and giving them the space to express themselves, not being judgmental, trying not to be judgmental. You know, people need the space to, you know, express their views and their feelings and opinions and say no when they want to say no. And not that you can't do work. Obviously, that's how that we like create business problems, obviously. But yeah, just expressing their challenges with something or a reservation with any work area of work 
So yeah, giving people the space. Um, inquiry is very important. Why are these people not performing? Um, what can I do to support them? You know, how can I help as a manager? Where are my shortcomings? What they are like um, leveraging on because they're not really getting the message in the first place. See, I think inquiry, open listening, active listening is a big one because we don't really take time to listen. We're too busy in our own worlds and distractions are, you know, our worlds are full of distractions anyway. So really being present with someone to see how you can actually be there for them. And yeah, all within the constraints of business because it's not like a therapy practice where people can just talk for hours, obviously understand that. But within within the constraints of a business setting, I think you can always be empathetic towards your people. Yeah, I love that. And a couple of things I want to want to dig into that that you, you'd mentioned is sometimes just being there to listen to somebody, letting them vent, like that will prevent the conflict on itself because that person might get to a place where there's like, I just needed somebody to listen to me. And like that's not uncommon for that to happen. But there yeah. also might be the the next step where you might actually need to like encourage this person or find a resource that will allow this person to get the help that they need or the support that they need. Because I do feel like sometimes managers put the expectation on themselves to be a friend, a coach, a boss, a leader, a therapist, right? And like, we don't have, no manager has all the training. Some, most managers don't get any training at all, but yeah. most have not gone through the, uh, the training to be a, a therapist or a counselor. So trying to be that sometimes is, a, is an unreasonable expectation. So don't forget that there it can take a community sometimes and it's okay to recommend a resource if it that's what you feel like a, a certain individual individual needs. But I don't think it needs that. Like you can like it doesn't take much to actually help people collaborate, right? Just be open to different ideas, welcome different ideas, embrace diversity, new perspectives. It does not take too much training for that. It's just a basic fundamental aspect of being a manager and a basic human need. Just being heard. How do you make people feel heard and seen? You know? Yes. Yes. Just be there. Just make people feel heard and seen. Like that just solves so many problems on its own. Great, great call out. We have yeah. a question here from from Rachel in the chat. Do you have questions that you like for execs or managers to ask their team to get feedback on their own managerial performance? I have an idea. I can I can get it started if you want time to, yeah, to think through it. it. I was really yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I think sometimes the problems that we run into when you're asking the people that report to you for feedback is you don't know how honest they're going to be. And them saying like, oh no, everything's fine, doesn't always actually mean everything is fine, especially if there might already be pre-existing trust issues with the team. A tactic that I've had success with in working with leaders is having them approach it just a little bit different. And instead of asking directly for feedback, phrasing it this way, where when you hear criticism about me, what do you hear? And it kind of gives the person you're asking it out because it doesn't necessarily mean it's coming directly from me, but they will share things that came from team or in conversation. So just phrasing it that way where you're just stating, when you hear criticisms about me, like, what do you hear? Even if it only helped me get a little bit better, I'd love to have that feedback. And it's, it's a way to really establish trust because there's less potential conflict where somebody might not be Somebody might feel like there might be retaliation if they're giving feedback to a coach, if that's been their experience, or to their boss, if that's been their experience in the past. So it allows them to share feedback, but from a way that maybe isn't as as direct. And then as a leader, you have the opportunity to act on that feedback, which will then build trust. Picking up from that, I would also have to add, um, in terms of accepting feedback, one thing I love to do is actually asking a question that is, 
what is the cost of me not taking this feedback right now? How does it cost my future, my performance? So like, you know, the odds, the cost of that, that actually gives an incentive to actually, yeah, incorporate the feedback when it needs to be taken in the right way. I love it. I love it. One other question we have in here from Ben, what can I do better to help you be successful at your job? I love that as well. And I think just making the feedback part of your cadence, like something we do at Workweek is every other week we do a feedback Friday where every manager meets with their direct reports and take 15 minutes and just like ask for feedback. What's what's going well? What could be better? And I think when you have a consistent cadence, people get used to it and it becomes part of a culture where feedback is just, just part of the process, but also teaching people how to get feedback effectively. So, which is another part of emotional intelligence. Yeah, it is. It's a big one, isn't it? Because it triggers people the most. Again, the whole thing of identifying with yourself and the feedback and opinions. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that moment where you're getting the feedback is the most critical because it's based on, it's not necessarily how you ask it. Like that's definitely important, but how you respond when you get the feedback. If you're the boss that immediately gets defensive and you turn the mm -hmm. feedback around and put on the other person, that person's probably not going to want to give you feedback any longer because you're coming across as if you're you're not listening, or if you're frustrated or stressed in that moment and the stress comes through and how you react, that's yeah. another, that's gonna, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna damage trust and people aren't gonna be as open in, in giving you feedback. Absolutely, people just shut off and then you can't really do very much when they shut off, you know? It, it yeah. breaks action then, yeah. Absolutely. So getting back to the, the emotional intelligence piece specifically, what are some common misconceptions you feel are still around this concept. I feel like it's more part of mainstream culture and how we talk about leadership, but uh, I think there still are, are gaps. I'm curious to hear what misconceptions you you commonly see. I think the biggest one would be is that we are at the mercy of our emotions, that we have no control over them, that they guide us, they rule us. I mean, they guide us, sure, but they don't rule us. So I have this saying that emotions are indicators, not dictators, because we always have a choice as to how we respond. And that comes through practice, through self-regulation, which of course is a skill that it takes time to practice and learn as long as you're open. But like emotions don't, they don't rule us. We have this myth that I couldn't help this. this. This person may be mad, like I have no control, but you do have control. And that second of choice, and you can breathe and decide how you want to respond to anything that's happened to you. I love it. It's just it's a really, that. Really, really good book, by the way. If you've heard of this, um, what's it called? Oh my God! How emotions are constructed by um Lisa, Lisa Friedman Barrett. Yeah. Okay. How emotions are constructed. I actually have it. It talks about that, but the book. Oh, books. okay. How emotions are made. How emotions are made. Okay. It's such a fascinating book. Oh my God! Literally, it's so much to learn from there. So I'll add that to my list. Yeah, for the listeners as well. This basically looks at emotions from neuroscience perspective. And she has broken all the classic myths about how emotions with, are made and how we think they rule us, but emotions are actually constructed, you know, because about the thought, what meaning you give, any meaning you give to a particular situation that becomes a thought and that leads to emotion. So thoughts guide emotions. So how you think reflects how you feel. 100%. And we have the power to choose how we think. I do want to say that loud for our, the podcast listeners as well. It is Lisa Feldman Barrett. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. But yeah, it is like emotional intelligence. It's, it's about that moment that we take to process how we're going to respond to a situation as opposed to just immediately reacting. And it comes with practice. Like initially, it's, it's very difficult. But as we just get in the habit of doing that, it's a lot easier for us to be intentional on how we respond 
even when things are, are stressful and as we build careers, as our businesses grow and we have more and more responsibilities, success and you know, stress kind of comes in, in waves, we'll be more prepared for these moments to make sure that when things do get tough, people can look to us as a source of inspiration and know that we're not going to be reacting based on, on the emotion, which makes it tough for, for them to approach us. I mean, the more stress you live in, the more triggered you'll feel all the time. It's just, it just comes down to that. You know, you have to, even if you have a high stress job, it costs for even more of um, practice to regulate yourself through your, whatever works, be exercising, sleeping properly, you know, like meditation, breath work, like these things really play a role in moderating your body budget, which is very key for just maintaining your levels of sanity. So you aren't walking around like a stressed robot all the time, reacting your way into different things. Yeah. Yes, yes, a stressed robot. We probably all have remembered times in our life, like yeah. that was that was what we were. And you don't even realize it in the moment. You just feel like you're just like doing your best. And mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like everything's against us, but we take a step back, take a deep breath, we can start seeing how our actions are gonna gonna help us you know, uh, improve. But it takes the time to, to work through that emotion and have a healthy relationship with it before we can can actually see a, a situation for what for what it really is. Absolutely. So the power of choice, guys, that's all it comes down to. Because you all love it. it. Yeah. Are there other resources you'd recommend mm -hmm. to people that want to continue uh, reading and, and learning more about this topic? I'll plug my course, the Effective Communication course. We do do a dive on the uh, on emotional intelligence, just such an important factor of, of communication. Now, what are what are some others that you you can think of though? Oh, actually, speaking of what you said, I actually just um, created this um, emotional mastery tool toolkit, very practical with effective questions. I would add that in the link or send that to you to share with the audience later. But yeah, it was um, pretty interesting. And I actually, I put a bunch of questions there. Every section has questions to guide Love you. It. You know, like was, I think for me, it's all about self-reflection, introspection. I think it's very, really cool stuff. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, put the link in the chat and we'll make sure we include it in the show notes for the podcast as well. So we definitely want to make sure our listeners are able to, to get access to that. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, this book is very, very cool. Um, how emotions are made. And um, yeah, I mean, who, who over here does breath work? Maybe hands up, guys. <laughs> yeah, put a thumbs up in the chat. If you do breath work or put a put a me, you yeah. want to see that. It, I mean, just taking those moments to to gain composure. Even if you don't have time to step away and meditate for five, 10 minutes, just like having a moment to, to focus on your breathing can can go such a long ways. It really does. A couple what do you of practices, um, Jacob, if you have any? Yeah, I think for me, the uh, focusing on breathing definitely helps. Uh, getting outside and going on walks. I know that like just throughout my day, just being able to break away from the computer and, and walk around the neighborhood, even if it's like 15 minutes, right? Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Sometimes I'll go longer if I'm able to. Um, I think that's, those are the things that really help me get, get re-centered. Um, I also try to be really focused on the, the, my ripples. And so when I'm having a conversation with somebody, just trying to really focus on like how they're responding as opposed to like how they're making me feel has helped as well. And it helps me identify when I'm kind of stressed. Do I see people kind of getting closed off or, or disengaged? Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's a signal. I can, I can look at how I'm, I'm reacting or the tone that I have. I, I would also say zoom calls help a ton because you can see yourself on this screen. So if you're making yeah. a face, you can see it. We don't have that advantage in real life. Right. But uh, yeah. it's, it's good. I love that. Such powerful insights there, man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Another great resource that has a ton of great tools and tips and just ta and tactics is uh, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Uh, 
they really walk you through the framework from self-awareness to self-management, others' awareness, and then finally where you're able to actually influence the, the emotions of others. And they give great tips and tricks throughout. Um, but also Susan David has a book called uh, Emotional Agility, and she has a, a TED Talk that's powerful as well. Um, but I really love her perspective on the fact that emotions are something you experience. We shouldn't be critical. We should just be, instead be curious and try to understand why we're feeling this emotions as, as part of having a healthy process. So both of those books were really uh, helped inform my, my opinion and, and have helped me you know, be, be more effective as a leader as well. Yeah, it's called being a non-judgmental witness to emotions and inquiring through compassion and self-love, not like judging this. Why am I feeling this this way? Because that only aggravates emotion and that's what starts to control you, you know, like anger especially or even other emotions like jealousy, greed. Like the more you judge them, the more they start having a hold on you. So it becomes like a ripple effect that's for the worse. Powerful. Again, being aware of the ripple effects, right? So it's a big part of it. That theme keeps coming back up. Yeah, seriously. Awesome. Well, Sukhan, we appreciate you so much for being here on the Leaders Lens podcast. Everybody that joined live, thank you for being so engaged with the uh, the conversation and the questions in the chat. It means a ton. I'd love to hear from you as well. Like, what are the uh, the topics you want to see covered in future virtual events, in future newsletters, sends, and future podcasts? Like, I want this to be an incredible resource for anybody that's managing people because I know that you don't get the development that you need and deserve. It's so common that managers step into a role and just have to kind of figure it out on their own. I want to support however I can. We appreciate you all. Enjoy your day. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thanks, Jacob. This was amazing. That's so much fun. And go follow Sukran as well. We're going to make sure her Twitter and... Are you on LinkedIn? I think I'm connected with you on Twitter, but I'm not sure if I am on LinkedIn. Yeah, I am, but like, I have to, have to add you. Okay, we'll make that happen. But yeah, make sure you follow her because she's always putting out incredible content. Appreciate that. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.